the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Now we get on the air because of Mr. Pete Paquette. He's our engineer. Andrew Herdliska is the producer. Mark Filkey joins me. He's in San Francisco. Senior pastor, founder of West Coast World Outreach Church. We're going to talk about his book, Fear Must Not Win. Finding Peace, Confidence, and Courage in Challenging. Mark, it's so nice to catch up with you. How are you? Uh, good morning, Pat. I'm, I'm great. I'm talking to you from uh, the beautiful Bay City of San Francisco this morning, California. Good. Tell me about your book, Mark. Well, fear, fear must not win. You know, um, as you know, Pat, uh, we are in a time right now like I have never seen in my life. I'm 65. been on the planet for 65 years, and I have never seen uh, more nefariousness happening uh, in every realm, especially the high places. And God began to deal with me about two and a half, three years ago about writing a book and helping people overcome ungodly fear, especially demonic uh, fear, the type of fear that, uh, you know, the enemy is just playing havoc with people's minds, panic attacks, phobias. Everything that's happened, you know, think about uh, everything that's occurred in the last few years, and it is a, it's like a devil's playground, you know. So, yeah, I wrote this book, Fear Must Not Win, How to Have Peace, Confidence, Courage, and Challenging Times. Mark, your book breaks down into three parts. Part one is called Confronting Our Fears, and you write about when the world feels like it's coming apart and three kinds of fear and fear sells. Uh, tell us about part one. Sure. Um, if, if, if I can regress for a second, you know, when you and I were growing up, I'm sure you remember this, we had, what, like three channels? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Up. That's right. So we had three channels. I mean, we, you know, I was born in Compton, raised in Watts for the first few years of my life, but my parents, uh, who were newly born-again believers, had the presence of mind to move us from there out into the country. We had three channels, and that's if we were doing really well with the coat, hang, coat hanger on the back of the television. You know, today we have millions, millions of channels. Uh, they, they say we're going to have millions. We have thousands. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a time where I believe uh, that the powers of darkness are using media and technology, especially to channel 
demonic talking points into the hearts of not just the unsaved, but actually believers as well. You take that, you put it together with, um, you know, diseases, wars, uh, heated election cycles, and you have a recipe for disaster in people's hearts and their minds and their spirits. So the Lord really dealt with me about writing this book and drawing on my 44 years uh, of experience in ministry. My mom and dad were pastors. I have a grandfather-in-law that pioneered 53 churches. You can imagine that um, uh, here in California, all the way up in the Alaskan interior. And so I'm up close. I, I you know, I, I see and talk with um, born-again believers every day. I'm in the life of a lot of very influential people. Fear is, unfortunately, no respecter of person. So the kind of people that I'm sitting with and talking with is blue-collar business people, entrepreneurs, and the well-known, some of the rich and famous. And all of them are struggling with this ungodly fear that has to be broken. And as you know, Pat, the power of the Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. Um, in my book, I talk about the spiritual superhighway. A lot of people regard media uh, and like television, the medium of television, radio, and social media just as technology platforms. I'm convinced, however, that the powers of darkness have infiltrated these high places. Uh, and I believe that unauthorized spirits are pouring either into the homes, cars, automobiles, into the ears of our, of our young, um, you know, men and women, teenagers, little kids. I mean, when you're going down the street, think about how many kids we see with have ear pods in and you see them, uh, you know, throwing up signs and moving to a beat, which I believe a lot of, even a lot of the music that we see uh, being produced out of, um, you know, the music industry, I believe is nefarious as well. Not just the lyrics, but I believe the spirit with, within the music. So I, I just know that God wants to set people free of ungodly fear. There's three kinds of fear, Pat. Natural fear, uh, which is, I think, I put, I really wrote quite a bit on this because natural fear, we need, we need natural fear, not to pick up snakes. We don't run under freeways, jump off of cliffs. The natural type of fear uh, is more of a cautiousness. It's a godly cautiousness that is, that is built into us uh, and designed into us. Then there is the type of fear uh, that moves within the imagination. And, um, you know, in my book, I, I, take some time and I talk about, you know, how that the enemy will move within the imagination. He tries to attach himself to the imagination. Of course, with all the talking points that we're seeing and hearing, not to mention life, you know, that's happening. And then the third, the third is what I believe, I believe really is connected, honestly, even all to all the rest. And that is what I call unauthorized spirits. And I don't know how many of your listeners believe in the unseen world, but Pat, there is a world right beyond where we are today, where good and evil is doing battle over the souls and waging war over the souls of men. And I just believe it's time for people to be set free. So yeah, I, I, I felt like I had to do this. And it's, I've, I've heard back from the publisher, the book is doing very well. People are 
I'm getting testimonials back from people saying that it's it's changing their life because they're understanding the root of all the things that they've been dealing with, you know, especially these past few years. Mark Filkey is our guest. Fear must not win. Uh, we just covered uh, confronting our fears. Mark, it's time for part two, sources of fear, irrational fear, freedom from trauma-based fear, overcoming mm-hmm. entrenched fears and insurmountable odds. I want to hear all about this. All right. So irrational fear uh, is the imagination. You know, it's, it's, it's when we start making more of the actual reality. And I, again, I mean, I hate to keep beating this drum, but again, I am absolutely convinced after 45 years of sitting, counseling with people, families, men and women, um, that Satan has been having a heyday, but never like we are seeing it today. So that is to say, you know, example in my book, I tell a story about when I was little, I had uncles that were avid hunters. And these guys weren't the guys that go out and dress pretty and go out and hunt on the road. These guys went back up into the, the mountains and the hills, and they would start early in the morning, hike up to the top of the mountain and look for whatever they were uh, hunting for. They had so many different stories. I had an uncle that was a bear hunter that told me every type of story you can imagine that would raise the hair in the back of your neck of his friends almost being eaten by bears and confronting cougars and wild animals. So when I was uh, when I was a young man and we started hunting on my second trip, uh, we decided we were going to go way up in the Sierras uh, and we were going to go deer hunting. And when we left camp, I thought I thought we were all going together. Well, I found out uh, very quickly that what we were all going to be doing is making our way up in the dark at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning with a flashlight and a a gun, obviously. And we were going to go to the top of the ridge and sit. The the memo I didn't get was the by-yourself part. So here I am, 16 and a half, 17 years old, making my way up in, in the mountain, and of all things, my flashlight, you know, starts to die. I look at my watch the best I can in the dark. The flashlight dies, and I start hearing noises around me. And when I look off in the distance, it's getting, I'm hearing it closer and closer, but I'm in the forest. So you can't, you can't see in a dark forest. I'm sitting there against the tree. I'm watching, and suddenly I hear this scrunch, scrunch, scrunch. Off in the distance is what looks like the largest brown bear I had ever seen in pictures or in life, and I'm frozen, and I'm thinking, this thing, I'm going to have to wait it out. I've got a gun, but, you know, I, I was told by my uncles that these things, you, you, if you shoot them in the body, sometimes they keep going. You shoot them in the head, they've got an extremely hard skull. So th- in my mind, I'm thinking, this, if I try to run, my uncle says, you, you don't, they'll catch you and probably have you for, for breakfast. So I'm sitting frozen. And I am sweating, and I'm watching this large image that's sitting down in what looks like a very large stop. So I'm sitting there watching, and as the sun begins to come up, I'm, now I'm, I'm almost tantalized, and I'm wondering what in the world am I going to do when this thing comes up. Well, as the sun comes up, 
What I've really been afraid of the entire night was not a brown bear at all. It was a small fawn that had crunched its way up and set inside of an old stump. But in my mind, my imagination had made this fawn a huge bear. <laughs> and uh, so I talk about that in the book and how that our imagination has a way, that's the natural imagination, has a way of just making things that are really not to be feared at all uh, gigantic in our imagination when, in fact, uh, it, you know, we would not have been afraid at all. So that's the, the enemy can, you know, he, he messes with our imagination. I remember when I was in high school and uh, I had some friends that brought my attention to a guy across the schoolyard that they said was staring me down. And, Pat, you know how it is when you're a teenager you know, you're kind of half stuck on stupid, uh, hormones flowing through your body. Uh, you want to project a brave, courageous image. Well, my friends begin to basically kind of taunt me and said, this guy's staring at you. He's wanting to pick a fight with you. The guy was huge. So uh, within a short uh, amount of time, they convinced me to walk across and confront this guy. So I muster up all this courage begin to walk across the yard, and when I get halfway across the yard, the door opens. A teacher steps out of the door. The young man stands up. She hands him a white cane with a red top, a red red tip on it, opens the door, and leads him inside a classroom. This guy was could barely see. Uh, I later found out that he couldn't hardly hear. And so I was about to pick a fight with a guy that was practically deaf and dumb because of my imagination. And I think that people have to be very aware that, that again, the enemy of our souls will take advantage uh, and will, if he can, if he can find any place within our hearts and spirits to do so, uh, he will initiate those fears and cause frustration, fear, frustration, panic, phobias. And I believe that Jesus died to set us free from every fear. It was, it was a part of the covenant, right? Uh, and over and over, Jesus would say, fear not, fear not. I don't know how many times that's in the Bible, but it's in there a lot. Well, I heard, I heard a preacher one time say that it's in there at least 365 times, one for each day of the, of mm. the year mm. and a little bit more. So, you know, you know, the book of Timothy says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, of love, power, and a sound mind. You know, my assignment with this book is to help men and women, Pat, be delivered of anxiety, fear, um, you know, phobias. Uh, you know, my mother, uh, God rest her soul, she's with the Lord now, but my mother suffered from bipolar and she could be up one day, and the next day she would take deep lows. And when she did, uh, even the anger and the frustration that was in her, I later learned when I became a believer and really began to understand the Word of God, that all of that anger and that frustration that she was channeling towards me and my brother and sometimes my father was really born out of fear. And the Lord, you know, uh, you know, he, he died and was crucified on a cross, paid the ultimate price. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions, 
bruised for our iniquities, which are generational curses, and by his stripes. And Pat, I know you know this one well because I read your testimony. By his stripes, we are healed. Amen? Oh, that's wonderful. My guest is author Mark Filkey, pastor of Mark Filkey. Fear Must Not Win, that's the name of his book. We got more with Mark. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Mark Filkey has joined us from San Francisco. We're talking about his book, Fear Must Not Win. And Mark, we've arrived at part three of your book, Principles for Fear-Free Living. Uh, Let's start uh, with God's manifest presence. What does that mean? Yes, sir. Well, that's kind of King James really break it down in 2022, going to 23, 4. We need, we need to have God's presence in our life. We need to have an experience, an actual, authentic, day-to-day experience. Uh, anyone that has read uh, the Old Testament or even been to a theater, for that matter, knows about the Ark of the Covenant. Most people know what it represented. It represented at the time uh, the presence of God, the children of Israel, wherever they went, if they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, there was no enemy that could stand against them. So without getting into a theological discourse, uh, I talk about the fact that we are the modern-day Ark of the Covenant. We are the new God box. You know, no, God no longer dwells in uh, anything that's made uh from the, the hands of men, but he dwells where he chose to dwell within us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And um, of course, every non-believer, those that are you're on your audience today that may not be born again believers, uh, this today's program needs to be an invitation to them that there is a loving God that loved them enough to send his only begotten son so that they could have life and be free. I I tell people, Jesus died not so our sins can be forgiven. Jesus died so our sins are forgiven. So he, he paid the price for one reason. He wanted to restore us back to a 24 hour, seven day, 365 days, every day, every second of the day relationship with us. So we are never out of communion or never disconnected from him. Most people, uh, as a pastor, I've learned this through the years, most people will say things like, I'm so glad that God is a part of my life, or I'm so glad that church is a part of my life. And in our family, you know, in our church, I've taught for years, even when I travel, I tell people, God is not a part of my life. God is my life. Pat, I was blessed to have one of the greatest Christians I've ever known as a father. And my dad taught me from the time I was a little boy. My dad was was formerly a nightclub owner. He owned three nightclubs. Um, he was a fighter. He was a pro fighter in the Army, champion in New Guinea and other places. And his whole life was around nightclubs and 
prize fighting until God saved him. When he became a born-again Christian, uh, my father's entire life changed. And I grew up hearing my father have daily conversations with the Lord at all times. In other words, it wasn't a church thing. People tend to relegate prayer as a physical posture, kneeling on the knees, clasping of the hands, the lifting of the hands, or uh, or laying prostrate, you know, before God on their on their face. But really, prayer, when it's really broken down into its most simplistic uh, definition, is relationship. It's a daily relationship. It's not something you have to do in King James. It's not relegated to linguistics or your language or culture, ethnicity. It is simply the ability to hear God speak to us through the everyday events of our life, through the Word of God, and through prayer, praise, worship, but most of all, just daily conversations. My dad, Pat, would be walking through the grocery store, and he would have conversations. I remember him saying, like, Jesus, what type of bread are we going to get today? Are we going to get brown bread, white bread? You know, my dad would be working on a car. Uh, when we were growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, certainly not as blessed as I am today. And I remember my father, when he met a challenge, maybe working on one of the automobiles, my dad would say, Father, I need you to show me what to do. My dad taught me by example that you can have a daily relationship with the Lord. And in the book, I teach people how to do that. I give them an abs- a step-by-step instruction on how to have a moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord. And, you know, when His presence is near, as I mentioned earlier, anywhere the Ark of the Covenant went, the Bible says that there were, there were moments when Israel was faced with massive armies. Israel was a small army uh, in the beginning, and the Bible says that there was not an army large enough or mighty enough to face off with Israel as long as they had that ark. Think about this, Pat. The presence, the creator of the universe lives within you. I'm, I'm sure in your wife, Ruth, my family, my wife, Jordana, our kids, our family. He wants to live within us so that we, so we're not getting our pockets picked by the enemy every day. They, the devil is having a heyday with people because they simply check in with the Holy Spirit when they're in trouble. And God wants to manifest his presence in our everyday lives in such a way that we can see him in the unfolding events, such as your healing, my healing. Uh, I'm a double COVID pneumonia survivor. This is my anniversary this week. A year ago, the doctors gave me 46, less than 46% chance of survival. They, they had me on 65 liters of high flow. I had 31% one lung, 35 in the other. The doctor told me to call my family. They tried to put me on a ventilator every day. But God, you know, I quoted when the doctor came in and told me that I had less than 46% chance of survival. I quoted Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, Lord, He's my rock, my refuge, my fortress. And as I began to quote that, Pat, the power of God came up under, the only way I can explain it was the power of God came up underneath my face. And from that moment on, 
the powers of darkness were not permitted to talk to me. And when they did try to come and incite fear, Psalm 91 became my defense, became my rule of law. And every time the enemy came to me and tried to show me visions of my own funeral, my demise, the power of God would move out of that scripture. Only way I could explain it, Pat, was the, the Spirit of God would go and answer whatever spirit was trying to come to me and then would return to protect me. Never before have we needed the presence of God like we need it today. And again, in my book, I tell people how to have that kind of relationship that literally drives away the powers of darkness and every unauthorized spirit that comes to terrorize us. My guest, <clears throat> and we're talking about his book, Fear Must Not Win, Mark Filkey. Mark, we've got about a minute and a half uh, to talk about chapter 15, Determination. The land of stick-to-itiveness. What's, what's up? Yes, sir. Well, as you know, many a motivational uh, speaker has used probably that word. I'm sure uh, you've probably used it somewhere in your talks across the country. Um, stick-to-itiveness is the ability to, to hang on, tether, to tether yourself to the promises of God. Every one of your listeners today, this uh, listening to your program, has promises that God has made over their life. They're tangible. They're real in the next realm. And um, God's promises are yea and amen. And uh, we have a choice in life to either discover our purpose, our potential, the promises that God has of our life, and then attach ourselves to those promises, uh, or we live life uh, by ill fate, happenstance, and just kind of roll the dice every day. God designed us with a plan. Jeremiah, as you know, 29.11 says that he has a plan for our life that's good, it's not evil. And the word there is, is that, and he gives us a hope. That word hope there is an Old Testament word that where we get the word rope, something to hold on to. And what God wants to do is give us, give us this, um, this tenacity that when we hear a promise, that, that when we know that we are no longer, we no longer have to fear, we no longer have to be bound by phobias, panic attacks, frustration, that once we get the principles that I write about in my book, then the Holy Spirit empowers us to hold on to it, to get a grip, to get a bulldog grip on it. My guest so is we, Mark Filkey. We're so glad that Mark could join us here. We need to take a break, and then we'll be back um, it's the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Uh, Mark Filkey, our guest in that first segment, uh, talking about his book, uh, fear must not win. Well, we go from San Francisco to the heart of Texas. O.S. Hawkins is with us, former pastor of the historic First Baptist Church in Dallas, president emeritus of Guidestone Financial Resources. His book is out. It's called The Promise Code, 40 Bible Promises Every Believer Should Claim. 
OS, it's so nice to talk to you. Welcome to Orlando. Thank you, Pat. Love those folks down in Florida. We spent 15 great years down there in South Florida, and uh, Florida has a special place in my heart. Appreciate you having me today. Tell me about your book. Well, you know what, uh, Pat? Promises made are always appreciated. We all have had promises made to us that we appreciate, but promises kept are really what mean the most. It's one thing to make a promise, quite another to keep it, and many of us have had experiences like that. But, uh, you know, the Bible is replete with promises that God has made to us, and he has a perfect record of keeping all his promises in his own time. So I, I wrote this book so people could begin the great adventure of uh, living their lives by the promises of, of God to us. And uh, so many of them are real and alive today to us that we can apply into our own lives. Well, let's dive in. Uh, number one, the promise of a brighter tomorrow. What are you writing there? Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the first chapter. Uh, what the world needs is hope. And, uh, uh, you know, what... Whether one keeps his promise or not is based on his character when we come to this chapter. And, you know, uh, an unrepentant thief who's been charged and incarcerated several times and never never learns his lesson keeps coming back and is standing before a judge and says, Judge, I promise you I'm never going to steal again. Well, that, that, that promise is not going to go very good because uh, promises are based on our character. And how can we trust God to keep his promises? It's because of his character. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 6 that it is impossible for God to lie. His word is his bond, and uh, our Bibles are laced with his promises. The first one in the book, The Promise of a Brighter Tomorrow, is one of those promises that most of us who know Christ and know anything about the Bible have climbed up on. Romans 8:28 says, for, for we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, and are called according to his purpose. Uh, You know, in the midst of turmoil and tragedy and all sorts of other things, a lot of things that happen are not good in our lives, but that promise from God is that he can take everything that is swirling around us and work it together for our good when we love him and are called to his purpose. And, you know, the, the key to this is in the first phrase, which is left off most times when people quote this promise, and that is, it says, for we know. My friend R.T. Kendall calls that uh, the family secret. You know, the lost world doesn't know that all things work together for good, but in the family of God, we know that. And so it's one of those promises that I've climbed up on and stood when I couldn't see through the fog and just trusted God that his word was true. And looking back on our lives, most of us can can look back and see, yes, he had a way of taking things. Maybe they weren't even good and working them together for our good. There, There is definitely the promise of a brighter tomorrow. Tell me about the promise of his all-sufficient grace. Yeah, you know, Paul, that promise was given to us in the context of the Apostle Paul having what he called a thorn in the flesh. Some people think it was epilepsy. Some say it was his poor eyesight because he wrote to the Galatians and said, see in what large letters I'm having to write you. Whatever it was, it was some kind of a physical 
thing. It was a thorn in his flesh, and it was it was uh, agitating him and bothering him and and keeping him from being on on perfect mission. And consequently, he 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 mentioned in there that uh, he'd asked the Lord repeatedly three times to take it from him, and then God had didn't do it. And you know, a lot of times we've asked God to remove things from us, and all this. We say, well, why didn't God answer our prayer? He came then to the promise uh, where where God began to say to him, look, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so the, the truth is, God's grace is totally sufficient for us. And you know, Pat, there's a difference in, uh, in mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We thank God for mercy. Grace is getting is is getting what we don't deserve. That's what grace is, and and God has a way, even when we have a thorn in the flesh like Paul, of having a purpose in it, and bringing us to the place where we can say with Him that God's grace is sufficient for our every need. How about the promise of a grace gift? What's that mean, Oz? Well, you know, uh, a, a grace gift. Is something as I mentioned that that, that we don't that we, that we don't deserve, uh, and you know, Paul, the, the most beautiful promise of that is in Paul's letter to the Ephesians when he says in chapter two, verse eight, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves; it's the gift of God." What a promise to know that that God has a gift for us, eternal life. Gifts are costly; they cost something. This gift cost God his only begotten son. He shed his blood, died our death so we could live his life, took our sins so we could take his righteousness. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to have a gift, but we must receive a gift. Somebody can give you a gift, but you, don't, you, don't, you have to take it and open it and unwrap it and, and, and receive it. And God's grace, uh, for by grace, he said, are we saved through faith. Faith is the channel, the aqueduct through which we, we come to, to trust in him. And, you know, where do we get our faith? There's another promise in here that says faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The reason I wrote the Bible promise is to, is to challenge people to stand by faith on his word and take him at his word and claim these promises of God. Uh Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word, not the Logos there, not the written Word from Genesis to Revelation that you read. It's the Rhema, is the Greek word there, which means a personal word to a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. When I was down in Fort Lauderdale, we used to have a lot of witnessing on the beach, on the Fort Lauderdale beach on the Atlantic. And I remember one time a guy came up to me and challenged me. He said, if you've got faith, you can do what Peter did. You can step right out there on that ocean and walk on it right now if you had faith. Why can't I do that? And how how could Peter do it? Well, Peter got a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation, a rhema. And, and Jesus said, Peter, walk to me on the water. And he took God at his word, and he stepped out, and he did it. God's never spoken to me. He told me to do that. But he's given me a lot of promises. And, you know, we read the Bible, Pat, and as we read the Bible, all of us have had experiences in the normal traffic pattern of our daily reading that a verse just leaked off the pages of Scripture to us, 
And it was like God saying, this is where I want you to stand. This is the word you need. That's the rhema. That's the personal word God gives us. And when we stand on that, that's what builds our faith, according to Romans 10, 17. Now, my guest is O.S. Hawkins. We're talking about his book, The Promise Code. Uh, Tell us about the promise of eternal security. Well, that's one of the most beautiful things about the Scripture, is that we are eternally secure in Jesus Christ. Once we come to know Christ as our personal Savior, Jesus said, no one can pluck you uh, out of my Father's hand. And, you know, the, the verse, the promise for that particular chapter you mentioned in John 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Well, what a promise that, that we're secure, not just in the next life, in the now life, right now, that he keeps us from falling here, as Jude said, but we're secure in the, in the next life. And, and uh, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful promise that, that the Lord is our shepherd. And we are his sheep. And, you know, first, the first phrase of the most famous passage in Scripture, the 23rd Psalm, says, The Lord is my shepherd. You know, the, the Lord is preeminent. He doesn't say a Lord. He is the Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's present. He didn't say the Lord was my shepherd or the Lord will be my shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. Whatever our hearers right now need, he is your shepherd right this moment. It's personal. He didn't say the, the Lord is someone else's shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. And so what a, what a wonderful thing to know that we're safe and secure in uh, the care of our good shepherd, our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next one for you, OS, is the promise of forgiveness. Yeah, don't, don't we all need that? You know, Pat, some promises in the Bible are unconditional. For example, uh, uh, God's promise of the rainbow in the sky. When he destroyed the earth and in the days of Noah, he put a rainbow in the sky and he promised to never destroy the earth. Uh, by flood again. That that promise was unconditional. Uh, the promise he gave in John 14 when he said, I will come again. It's not conditioned on anything we do. Jesus Christ promised he's coming again. It's unconditional. The one in Hebrews where it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there are some, many of them, most of them perhaps, that are given to us that are conditional. Uh, this one of forgiveness is, if my people who are called by my name shall love themselves and pray. Uh, we read in Chronicles, but in the real in the in the in the relationship to forgiveness, First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Well, the promise is He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. But there's an if at the beginning of that. If we confess our sins. And, Pat, there's a big confusion about confession. Confession uh, confession means to agree with God. The homologeo is the compound Greek word, to say the same as. When we confess our sins, we come alongside and we agree with God. And we admit that it's not some little vice we can laugh off anymore. It's not something we can excuse, saying, well, every, everybody else is doing it. It's not something we can minimize by saying, not as bad as so-and-so. 
Every sin is so serious it necessitated the cross. And confessing our sin means to agree with God about our sin. Yes, uh, we have sinned against God. And when we come into confession, agree with God, he, he cleanses us. He forgives us uh, of our sin. But it's based, like many of the promises, on that condition. You know, Pat, it's, it's one thing to uh, read the Bible and struggle with its precepts like the commandments, don't steal, don't do this. It's another thing to believe the Bible and stand on its promises. And so the promise code is written to just unlock the the secret of of a brand new adventure of standing and living by the promises of God. The promise of the Holy Spirit. What are you writing there, O.S. Hawkins? Well, you know, Jesus said in in the upper room, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, that he might abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And, you know, Pat, there's so many beautiful things that open up the Scripture when you study the language in which it was written. When Jesus said another helper, he said, I'm going to pray the Father. He, The Father is going to give you another comforter. Jesus said, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to send another comforter. And, you know, there are two Greek words for another in the Bible. One is heteros. It means uh, uh, another of a different kind, uh, heterosexual. Here's a, here's, here's, a, here's a human being, but here's a male, here's a female. It's, it's, it's one of a different kind. There's another one, alos, that means same make and same model. I mean, if I had a, if I had a Mont Blanc pen in front of me, a black one that was here, and I had a big pen on the other side, I'd say, here's a pen and here's another. I would use heteros. It's another of a different kind. But if I had an identical Mont Blanc pen and I said, here's another one, I would use alos. And that's the word Jesus used to unlock the truth of this promise. He, he said, I'm going to send you another and used alos. In other words, same make, same model. It's, it's me. It's God coming in the person of the Holy Spirit. And what a promise that, that, that when we come to know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residency in our lives. He seals us until the day of redemption. He guides us into all truth. He empowers us for service. He gives us empowerment to witness. And all these many beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does in our life promise uh, with that promise that Jesus gave uh, the night before he was crucified. My guest is O.S. Hawkins. We're talking about his book. <clears throat> it's called The Promise Code. We have another segment with O.S. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's more of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. O.S. Hawkins is our guest. Uh, we're talking about his book, The Promise Code. And, O.S., we've arrived at the promise of victory over temptation. Tell us more. Well, you know, Pat, when I, when I came to know Christ, uh, I, when I came to know the Lord, I was 17 years of age. young man witnessed to me after a basketball game in Fort Worth. I'd never heard prayer in my home. Never seen the Bible open in my home. And uh, I, I, he took me to a gospel preaching church the next Sunday, and I heard the gospel for the first time. And 
and my life was radically transformed as a 17-year-old. And I, I received a, a, an old gentleman came by and put a, put, a, put a piece of paper in my hand. I thought it was hieroglyphics. It had one C-O-R-10, then it had a colon, then it had a one and a three. I'd never read the Bible. I had no clue what it was. And I went downtown that Monday where I'd seen a Bible Baptist bookstore after I was saved. I bought my first Bible. And I was sitting out there in the in the car and I, before I took, drove off, and I looked in the, in the in the beginning of it. It had all these books listed, and I saw C O R, and I saw one C O R. I turned to that page, and then I could I made out that that must have been chapter ten, verse thirty one, and I, I that was the first verse I ever memorized, uh, which is such such a powerful promise. No temptation is taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation, what a promise, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And I can't tell you how many times I've come across, uh, I've come to temptation's corner, tempted to turn one way or another. That verse came into my mind. Listen, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. We're, we've got some hearers right now being tempted on some, something right now today. It's not anything new. It's common to man. But God is faithful. What a promise. God is faithful. And if you'll trust him, he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. He'll make a way for you to escape like a mountain pass, just to make your escape that you may be able to bear it. It's a promise that we can overcome temptation if we'll take God uh, at his word. The promise of victory in death is next. Yeah, uh, in, 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 you know, death's the final great enemy, isn't it? And, you know, there are lots of voices and volumes around today telling us how to live. There's self-help books and motivational videos. That, there are a dime a dozen, but they're not. There's only one book that tells us how to die. And, of course, that's the Bible. And uh, that promise in Psalm 23 about victory over death, the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, an interesting thing happens in uh, Psalm 23. The, the, the pronouns change. He begins, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me inside the waters. He restores my soul. Uh, he, he, all this is he, he, he. Then when it comes to the valley of the shadow of death, the pronoun changes to you. He becomes very personal to us. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And so, Pat, this promise says, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, for a, a believer, never walks through the valley of death. Christ did three days and three nights. And he came out on the other side, and the revelation says he held up some keys. And he said, I now hold the keys of death and hell. So that no believer has to walk through the valley of death. We only walk through the valley of what? The shadow of death. And a shadow might frighten us. We come home at night, put our key in the door, and the porch light casts a shadow. We may jump back. A, a shadow can frighten us, but it can't hurt us. We can walk right through it. And uh, he is with us. And so we, for the believer, victory and death comes in knowing Jesus Christ. And what a promise 
that we don't walk through the valley of death alone. We only walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he is with us. And so we, we have the promise as believers of, of victory over death. Death is just a sojourner. He didn't say, I walk into the valley. He said, I walk through the valley, through the shadow, through the valley of death. And that's what we do with shadows. We just walk right through them, and that's what that's what the passageway into eternal life is. And it's no wonder David said, then, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He knew death was defeated. It was only a temporary passage through a shadow into the light. Therefore, he had no fear, uh, because Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Those of us who are believers, we don't need to fear death. We only, we're only headed through a valley of a shadow that can't hurt us, and he's with us every single step of the way. How about the promise of resurrection? Yeah, I love this promise. Uh, the fact that we're going to be resurrected. Jesus said, listen, he said, I am the resurrection. And the, You remember when he stood at the grave of Lazarus? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. John 11, he said that, 25 and 26. Then he asked a question, Pat. He said, do you believe this? And, you know, I, you know, we read the Bible and we read it linear. One of the things I really wonder is how the Lord said that. Where did he inflict that question? I wonder if he said, do you believe this? that he's the resurrection and the life, and if we're dead in him, we'll live again. Do you believe this? Not your mother, not your father, not your wife. Do you believe this? I wonder if he asked it, do you believe this? Because it's built on our faith. It's what we believe. I wonder if he asked, do you believe this? What? That I am the resurrection and the life, and and he who uh, who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What a promise that we're going to live again throughout the endless ages of eternity because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You know, Pat, to, to just phrase a thing, a lot of people try to live by explanations when we're supposed to be living by promises. If you remember Naaman, he was the commander-in-chief of the king's armies of Syria, and he almost missed his cure. Because he was looking for an explanation, God gave him a promise. The prophet said, go, go dip seven times in that muddy river, the Jordan. You'll be clean. He got in his chariot, and he tore off the Syria, saying, we got better rivers than that. And he had a servant there and said, Master, if you'd asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. What do you have to lose? you got leprosy. You're dying. And so the proud, the Lord conqueror, Naaman, just took God at his word, went down to the Jordan, dipped seven times, and he was clean. But he almost missed his cure, like a lot of us, because he was looking for an explanation when God gave him a promise. Now it's time for the promise of salvation. Yeah. What what a, what a, what a, what a, what a beautiful promise. How the, 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 the most pointed question, Pat, in all the Bible is from the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, verse 30. He, He looked at Paul and he said, what must I do to be saved? Maybe there's some of your hearers right now that, have never put their faith and trust in Christ. They're asking the same question. What must I do to be saved? And here came the promise and the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and you will be saved, he said. And I, I like what he said there. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I believe in George Washington. I believe he's the first president of the United States. I believe in Abraham Lincoln, but I don't believe on them. I don't trust my life to them. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in God. Trust in Christ alone, and you will be saved. It's not hard to come to Christ. In fact, Jesus said that a little child would lead us, and he said if any of us come to him, we have to come in simple childlike faith like a little child to come and stand on that promise to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It means to transfer your trust. And, Pat, if I could just interject here one word to your hearers. The Promise Code is the 12th in a long series of code devotionals. The first one was the Joshua Code, 52 Scripture verses every believer should know. Then the Jesus Code, 52 Scripture questions every believer should answer. The Bible Code, Finding Jesus in Every Book of the Bible. The Promise Code, uh, like all the other code books, all the royalties go to Mission Dignity. I want your hearers to know that. We're on a mission to bring dignity to some forgotten folks, and that's retired pastors and their widows. Pastored out in the highways and hedges, never made enough to uh, live on, much less to retire on. They come to vocational retirement. They've been living in a church-owned home. They have to get out of it, and they're living at the poverty level. Ten years ago, we were able to help them with $50 a month. There are thousands in our program. And now the neediest get $700 a month. And one little pastor's widow, 87 years old, wrote me recently, and she said, I get to eat at night now, and it's not just a piece of toast. So all the loyalties to the Promise Code and all my books in the Code series, which have sold almost $3 million in the last couple of years, all go to these retired pastors and the widows in need. And you can learn more about that at oshawkins.com if you're interested. But I just want your readers to know that when they purchase one of these beautiful gift edition books, that, that every, all the proceeds of it go to support these precious people. O.S. Hawkins has been our guest. The book, The Promise Code. We've got to wrap up after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, always so pleased when you plug in. Uh, let me just uh, uh, make sure you're aware of the latest book I've written. It's called Every Day is Game Day. I wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury. It's uh, a 365-day uh, devotional. Every devotion is a sports theme, sports story, sports anecdote, and then we we move into the meat of the devotional. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, go up to Amazon, always a wonderful way to order books. And folks, another reminder, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and uh, I want to send you up to the website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com. And let us hear from you. Uh, we want your thoughts. Want to know what you're thinking about that idea. We can do it. Uh, stay with us. We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, this is AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next weekend.
God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.